Welcome to Hospitality Forward, our podcast with the listeners in more than 90 countries is a weekly interview series where we chat with top journalists from around the globe. In each episode, our media guests share their insights and tips on how hospitality and travel professionals can be spotlighted in their stories. My name is Hannah Lee. I am president and founder of Hanali Communications, an award-winning public relations agency in New York City. We are specialized in building national and international brands for restaurants, bars, hotels, travel destinations, as well as spirits, craft beer, and wine brands. And I'm Michael Ann Stendick, editor-in-chief of Hanali Communications and a food and beverage writer and author. As a journalist myself, and Hannah is a PR professional, we understand the power of media coverage and its positive impact on someone's career and business. That's why we created this podcast, to give back to the community. So tune in on Apple Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast app, and listen to this thoughtful journalist who kindly shared their practical advice. We're also excited that our Hospitality Forward podcast is part of the credited university curriculum of the New York Institute of Technology in both the U.S. and Canada for their business and hospitality programs. Hannah and I are also the authors and producers of our agency's first book, The Japanese Art of the Cocktail, an Amazon editor's pick, and a Barnes & Noble best book of 2021. It's also available at independent bookstores nationwide. Each week, we give away a copy of The Japanese Out of the Cocktail to our listeners. For a chance to win a book, please share a tip from our episode that you found most helpful and email us at hello at hanaleecommunications.com and remember to have hospitality forward in the subject line. In this episode, we're delighted to chat with Ellen Carpenter, Editor-in-Chief of Hemispheres, the in-flight magazine for United Airlines. She also serves as Editorial Director of The National, Amtrak's onboard magazine. Previously, Ellen helmed Rhapsody, United's premium cabin magazine, and served as the host for the award-winning Hemispheres Travel Show. This folio award-winning editor and Kentucky native has also worked at Nylon, Spin, and Rolling Stone and has written for numerous outlets, including The New York Times, Marie Claire, and In Style. Hi, Ellen. Welcome to the show. So nice to see you. So good to see you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's a very special episode because I used to work for United Airlines for almost six years in their marketing department. So having you on board today is very special. So thanks for being on our show. Awesome. My pleasure. So let's start at the beginning of your journalism journey. So did you always dream of becoming a writer when you were growing up? Yeah, I think I kind of did. I grew up in a small town in West Kentucky. and. I had a really supportive mom who, when I said I wanted to have a school paper, she was like, okay, I'll help you guys start a school paper. And I started doing that in middle school. And I think in the middle school paper in eighth grade, I wrote that I wanted to be a theater critic and live in New York City and write for the New York Times. That was my goal. Very, very ambitious. Yeah, right? Um, 
And then uh, in college, I studied journalism. I went to Northwestern, uh, which has a great undergrad journalism program. And my junior year, I interned at New York Magazine. And it was one of those dream internships where it was everything I always wanted to do. And I got to meet amazing people and learn and, and see a lot of theater and eat at amazing restaurants and go out in the town every night. And so then when I graduated, they hired me back as um, a fact checker. And that's kind of how I started my career in New York. So what would you say you like most about writing? I think for me, it's storytelling. I love being entertained. I love stories. I love people's stories, whether it's about food or it's a hotel or it's an actor. It's to me, it's always about the, the person behind it and how they made this moment, you know? And so that's what really, really inspires me. So you've been editor-in-chief at Hemispheres for almost five years. And what does it take to be editor-in-chief? Well, I mean, I think it's a mix of things. You have to be obviously good at your job. You have to be a good writer, you have to be a good editor. Um, you have to really be able to manage different personalities really well. I think especially like working in a job like this, because obviously I'm making a magazine for readers, but I'm also making it for a client. So I have to keep them happy too. Um, so yeah, managing everyone's expectations, being able to please a lot of people, but also push them in the right direction. Uh, you need a lot of confidence, uh, but you also need to know when you're wrong and really kind of surround yourself with people who are going to push you and make you think differently, but also, you know, encourage you too. What would you say your day-to-day -day looks like? You know, what, what's a typical day in the life if there is one? I don't know if there is. I mean, every day obviously involves writing and editing for sure. And going over every single line and getting it perfect. Some days I'm out meeting people and on appointments and talking with writers and talking with publicists and going out to eat and doing all that fun stuff. And some days I'm traveling, you know, so it really is great because it is a job that's filled with variety. You're never just sitting in front of your desk. Yeah, just like our job, you know, writing and talking and meeting and traveling and we're lucky people. Yeah. So tell us about Hemispheres and what should our listeners know about it? And then also if you can walk us through the various section of the magazine. For sure. Um, so Hemispheres is, you know, United Airlines magazine. It's published monthly. We're the actually the only American airline magazine left which is crazy. Incredible. Yeah, it's really sad. Yeah, it's very sad. And I feel like a lot of them will come back because to me, there's no better way to reach your audience than through an airline magazine. It's certainly a captive audience. Yeah, totally captive audience. And, you know, we're in front of more than 12 million people every, every single month. And that's like on every single United flight all over the world. Like no one has that kind of audience. That's pretty amazing. So for us, like, Obviously, travel is where it's at. Travel and culture. I think they go hand in hand, personally. I think that the hardest thing about Hemispheres and the best thing is that it has to appeal to everybody. And so that can be challenging, but it also is great because you can cover everything. Um, for us, obviously, we cover where United flies. And United flies all over the world, but there are certain places they don't fly, like Eastern Europe, for instance, or Morocco. So the main thing, I think, when people are pitching me, I always try to remind them, like, look at the route map. <laughs> See where we actually go. That's what we're going to write about. And then 
Okay, so the magazine is broken down into sections. The first section in the front of the book is called the navigator section, and that's really focused on what's new. And for us, some people obviously are traveling every single week, every single day, heck. And so we really focus on new there because you don't want to talk about something maybe that's been around for a long time because the traveler may have already seen it. They want to be surprised, you know? People are curious what's new, and that can inspire you to go discover other things that are there, and we can talk about those places within that story. But the front of the book really does focus on new, new restaurants, new hotels, new experiences, new adventures, uh, new stores, new you know graphic designers and interior designers and uh, all kinds of stuff. And then we have our mid-book sections called Diversions, and that really is the bigger focus on culture. And um, that could be anything from actors and actresses and musicians to business leaders and big thinkers and sports stars and athletics in general and also design. And I have a more of a culture and celebrity background, so I love that stuff, like up-and-coming actors, and I love covering music whenever I can. So that is a place where we talk about those kind of things. And often they do still relate to travel. So we, for instance, like for one of the pages we have, it's called The Scene, and it looks at a film and where it's set. And we take one moment and show where it was actually filmed and like that kind of thing I love because that obviously culture inspires travel. So it's a fun way to cover it. Um, then our feature section obviously is always led by our cover story, Three Perfect Days. But so we have that, and then we always have what we call a read feature, which usually is a personal travel story. And those to me are my absolute favorite things. We have one in this April issue, for instance, by Sarah Maslin near uh, New York Times Pulitzer Prize winning writer. Um, she wrote about riding Icelandic horses, and she and a whole group of friends who ride horses here in New York uh, decided to fly together and do this amazing adventure for a week in Iceland, uh, these horses, which have a different gait than other horses, and they're smaller. They're like pony sides almost. And she wrote about that experience of having loved riding horses all her life and, and getting to try something new on a horse that feels totally different when you're riding it and getting to see Iceland in a way that you wouldn't normally because you're riding on horseback. You're not just in a car. So like that kind of story to me is so rewarding. And so like those kind of stories I love because it's only that one person can tell that story. It's not like, oh, here's my guide to Sicily. No, it's like have Laura Itzkowitz write about her honeymoon there and traveling. Oh, that was lovely. I, I loved reading that story. Yeah, and not to mention, we love Laura. She's terrific. Yeah, yeah, she's so great. And like, but that's the kind of story that we want to tell is where only Laura could tell that story, you know, but anybody could just be like, here are 10 new places to go in Sicily. But having her really capture that moment makes it so much more special. Um, and then we also have package features, which are more servicey, but they're still fun and you can have fun with them. Like we always do every year our best new hotels package, which we just finished. And and that's so much fun to put together to really sit there and pour over all the best hotels in the world. And like now I'm working on a family travel package about uh, American adventures you can have with your family. Um, and so those kind of packages are fun. They're servicey. So they help people figure out where they want to go. So you kind of get the best of everything. As you mentioned, many in-flight publications have sadly folded. So what accounts for Hemisphere's resilience? Yeah, I think the main thing is that we were really smart and we pitched to the airline mailing home Hemispheres to United Frequent Flyers when the pandemic started. And they were like, that's a great idea. And it was like a lot to pull off because we had to get 
petitions, for getting mailing addresses and whatnot for everyone. But we did it. And so starting in August 2020, we started mailing at home to United Mileage Plus uh, Platinum or higher. And it was a huge success. Readers really liked it. We had like people writing us letters and thanking us. Advertisers loved it because they knew exactly who they were reaching. United loved it because they were still able to connect with their most important flyers. And though everybody knew like maybe right now you're not going to go to Scotland or you're not going to go to Italy, you're still planning that future trip. And we just, we went back on planes in June of 2021 and it was really seamless. The only negative was that people who got it at home were emailing like, why can't I still have it at home? I want both, <laughs> which was really nice to hear, but yeah. Financially, it didn't make sense for us. I mean, I remember uh, we first trip since a uh, pandemic started was uh, last December to London, and of course we flew United Airlines. And uh, holding that Hemispheres magazine in my hand, it was just such a special feeling. I'm like, I missed it so much, and then I was flipping through every single page and just loving it. It's just not the same without it. Yeah, totally. So what would you say makes a hemisphere story a hemisphere story? I think it's different depending on the section. Like as I was talking about with the read features, I think that to me is what makes the best hemisphere story is really getting that personal. Only this person can tell this story. I think how we approach it maybe makes it more hemispheres. Then like, obviously, if we're writing about a new restaurant or a new hotel, it's very likely it's going to be in TNL and it's going to be in Kainas Traveler as well. I, I think for us, if we can have a personal approach to it, that always makes it better. And even if it's a front of book story that's not written in the first person, it's really important to me that people go to the places they're writing about. Because I think that makes a difference in how the story is told. You know, really talking to the people there and understanding and seeing the mosaic tiles in the, you know, kitchen rather than just seeing a picture of it on the internet, you know? So how often do you get to write articles for Hemispheres and uh, what topics do you typically cover? Yeah, we see quite a bit of byline articles yeah. by you. Well, that's one of the best things about being editor-in-chief is you get to choose what you want to write. <laughs> it depends on the issue. Like I'd say some issues I write two stories, some issues I write five. Sometimes they're just 300 words, sometimes they're 3,000 words. So it kind of depends on what I'm interested in that month and what my bandwidth is. As I mentioned, I, I have like a celebrity background. I worked at Nylon and Rolling Stone and Spin. And I can't help it. I love doing celebrity interviews with Hemispheres. I, you know, interviewed Ethan Hawke. This month I interviewed Matthew Broderick. Like I interviewed Michael J. Fox. All these people who I love and who are inspiring. So that's really fun for me. So I love doing those. And I love interviewing up and coming people. Like we had Quinta Brunson from Abbott Elementary like a couple months ago. She's great. And then for the other stuff, like I, I love big travel stories. So I love getting to write three perfect days. I'm picky about which ones I do. And then right now, uh, coming, I did a trip in the fall to Quebec with my mom. We did this uh, Louise Penny pilgrimage. And people who know about Louise Penny will know. But she writes murder mysteries. And they're all set in a tiny fictional town in Quebec called Three Pines. And so my mom went, my mom and I went to find Three Pines. And so, Getting to write that kind of fun personal story to me is really rewarding, um, especially. Well, let's circle back to uh, Matthew Broderick for a second. And, uh, you know, you also interviewed Brooke Shields on her new business venture, Beginning is Now. So how do these celebrity stories come about? And do you find it, you know, very different interviewing celebrities versus regular folks? 
I mean, celebrity stuff comes about mostly just based on when the projects are happening. And it's always great. Like I love doing Broadway because that's the reason people travel. So if we can do an interview pegged to a Broadway show or pegged to like a show in the West End or even pegged to a movie that has a big travel component. Um, I, I don't think there's a big difference between interviewing someone who's a big time celebrity versus uh, someone who, you know, runs a store or someone who is an amazing chef because for me, it's it's always just the person and their personal story. So I might prepare a tiny bit more for a celebrity only because there's more out there to read. But I think the conversations are pretty similar, you know, because you're really just trying to get to the essence of who they are, why they're doing what they do, and how they want people to experience what they're doing, you know, whether that's uh, the food they're, they're preparing at a restaurant or the movie they're making. I think that's it's actually all the same thing. So given United Airlines' global reach, how large is your editorial staff um, or how many freelancers do you work with? There's only two of us who are editors on the magazine, me and Justin Goldman. And then we have an art director and a photo director and a web director in our Miami office. Me and Justin are just based in New York out of our own little tiny homes. And we have so many freelancers because you have to if there's only two editors. We can't write everything. We have people who've written for us for years and years and years and people who pitch me out of the blue and start writing for us. So it's a really great mix. So now that um, travel is back, tell us about the three perfect days, guys. Um, by the way, we really enjoyed reading the Almarfi Coast cover story in a recent issue. So how do you choose the destination to feature? So basically what happens is me and Justin, we go through, I'd say in the summer of the year, so starting maybe in like June, um, we start thinking about the next year's list. And the first thing we do is we look back at once we've done in the past to see how long it's been since we've done major cities, major United States. That's the first thing we think of. Like, how long has it been since we covered New York or London or Houston? And then we look at big events. So like what maybe a, a place is going to be the world design capital, or maybe there's going to be a Queen's Jubilee, you know, or just a, a place that's having a moment. And then the next thing is new United routes, which sometimes aren't announced. Yet. That's usually the last things we're waiting for United to say what their new locations are going to be. So for this year, we have a ton, which is exciting. And then of course, we always want to have a mix. We want to have North America. We want to have Europe. We want to have Asia. We want to have South America. We want to have beach. We want to have snow. We want to have urban. We want to have, you know, country. We want everything. And so it's a, it's a good collaborative pr- process with the airline. And sometimes we end up swapping things in because they announce something later. Like they added in a lot of new routes. And so we added in like uh, the Canary Islands that's going to be for June. But then we knew last year they launched Croatia. So we have that for July. So it's like a, uh, a mix, you know, and then New York we have for August. We haven't done New York in like six years. So it's fun. It's kind of like a puzzle to put together to figure out. So another favorite part of the magazine uh, is the away section. We really enjoy that. And uh, we thank you so much for covering uh, Popular Restaurant at the Intrigers Public. And talk to us about the section. What What's the lead time for getting featured in it typically? I mean, generally our lead time on average is three months. If it's something that's really seasonal, we might do that a whole year in advance, you know. But yeah, but for a section like that, like obviously new is always great, but that's also, I think, a special place because we're able to also put places that aren't maybe brand new but are having a moment or maybe we had a redesign or maybe have a new chef or something that kind of 
adds to the story. So speaking about restaurants and bars, does everyone who writes about them for the magazine have to personally visit them? Yeah, I mean, I'd say not 100%, but yeah, ideally. I mean, I think most people, when they pitch me, they pitch because they went somewhere or because they're going somewhere. Sometimes if it's a roundup, they might not go to all of them. So like coming up, we have one about seltzeries, hard seltzeries that Stacey Lasto wrote. And so she wrote about seltzeries. And I don't think she's been to all of the ones in the roundup. But if you go to one, then you can start to see a trend and you look for more. So I think that often happens, too. In the coming months, uh, what type of stories will you be working on? And is there any way our listeners who are chefs, restaurant, hoteliers, and um, pretty much everyone in our hospitality and travel industry can learn something from you and potentially pitching their stories? Looking at hemispheres in the front of the book, especially, it's laid out pretty easy to pitch. So we have stories like The Meal, which is just a beautifully shot dish from a restaurant. So if you're like a publicist or, you know, working at a restaurant that you know has gorgeous food, pitch me that. Like, I would love to see, you know, photo examples and, and maybe a cool dish or like maybe a chef's doing something really unique, but it also happens to look beautiful. And then we also do like the restaurant, which can be like a new restaurant or it could be a new design space. Um, this day, we always have every issue and that's a hotel, a new hotel um, that can be new or also like a redesign. And I, and I will say like, it has to be pretty. One thing we don't do as much as we used to pre-pandemic is we used to shoot a lot more of the pages ourselves. The front of us now, we use a lot more pickup than we used to. And because of that, we need people to supply really good imagery. So if you have an awesome hotel, but your photos don't look great, like, we're probably not going to be able to feature it, which is a bummer. But, you know, especially with social media, like, things have to look really good. And on an airline magazine, people are going to read the story if the photo looks really pretty. <laughs> Yeah, agree. I mean, the power of photography, I mean, it's, it's so much more important than ever. So um, do all print stories make it online? Not all of them, but I'd say most of them. We also have, the magazine is also available in e-reader form. So if anyone can go and flip through it online. But I'd say the majority of our stories are online. And oftentimes, if one's not, if someone emails me and says, is this online? I'll put it online. It's <laughs> oh, very thoughtful. Yeah. All right. So it's time for some sharing of secrets. Oh, right. So what would you say are the top three pointers you could give our listeners to get your attention and be considered as a source for your stories? Um, I like well-written emails um, that use my name and not someone else's name. <laughs> um, I think just... It makes a difference to me if I can tell someone knows what magazine they're actually pitching. Like if they know what Hemispheres is and where a story would fit, that makes a big difference. So if they're like, whether it's a writer or a publicist, or if they say like, I have this great restaurant that would be perfect for the meal, or I have a lovely story that would be a really beautiful profile, like that would work in this section or in this section, like that to me makes a big difference. Like not just this place is cool. I want to know why it's cool and why it works in our magazine specifically. And yeah, and also I like when there's a link and I like when there's a picture so that I can have it all at once so I don't have to Google. I, I don't like when people tell me about something and there's no link or image. I got to have one of those. You mentioned well-written email, but um, does that mean, does it have to be short and sweet or could it be long, like give you everything you need to know? Um, if it's long, maybe break it down into bullet points so it's easier to read and, and, and lead with the most important stuff for sure. I mean, I think generally most things can be done in a couple paragraphs. Well, so with um, you know, world opening up, is is it more specific 
venues or destination pitches coming to your way? Yeah, like for instance, I've been getting a ton of South Africa pitches because uh, United you know, we fly to South Africa, and that's I think because people are starting to really go there again, and they hadn't for so long. So we're getting a lot of that kind of story of like, oh, people haven't been to this place in a while, and they're going to want to go, or like especially with new routes like Mallorca we're doing, or like you know the Canary Islands. I'm getting a lot of routes, a lot of pitches based on new routes like that too. Going back to social media for a moment. Does Hemisphere's social platforms have editorial independence, or do they basically focus on places and talent that's been covered by the magazine? No, it's both. Um, Celia in our in our Miami office, she handles the social media, and she does a really good mix, I think, of the what's in the magazine. Uh, she also commissions stories for the site, so sometimes there's original stories for the site that are on social media, and then they also do a lot of reels. They do a lot of just really pretty, you know, inspiring photos. A lot of hotels. That aren't necessarily from the magazine. That are just nice travel images. And we love the hashtag uh, Hemigram. So listeners, whenever you post something on your travel journey, always hashtag Hemigram. Yeah, the main thing which we're bringing back. We stopped doing this during the pandemic, and now we're starting to try to bring it back. Is the Hemigram was initially thought up of so people would take the magazine with them. We always like to remind people, like you can take it home. Like they'll put a new one in the seat back pocket. You can take it. So take it with you. And when you go to like the Eiffel Tower, take a photo of yourself with your hemispheres in front of the Eiffel Tower, and then we'll put it in the magazine. So please do that. I mean, it's interesting because for years, um, you know, when, we, when I started flying, I thought I was not supposed to take the magazine. So I, I feel bad when I like try to put it in my bag. I feel like, is anybody looking? You know, But it's a great to know that anybody who's flying United Airlines, grab it, put it in your bag, just yeah. enjoy. Exactly. Let's talk about the uh, Reader's Choice Awards. We were very delighted that New York City won Best American Food City in 2021, and the Four Seasons Hotel in Hawaii won Best American Hotel. So with 2022 starting, how was how the list of possible choices narrowed down? So, yeah, voting starts in May. So that'll be live if I, in yeah, May 1. And we have, we have a shout out in the magazine, too, that month so people know. Um, but the first round of voting is right in. So anybody can go in and just write. We have the categories. I think it's 40 categories or close to 40 categories. Everything from like, you know, best honeymoon destination to, you know, best restaurant in New York City or to best hotel bar to best state for adventure, like all kinds of, uh, you know, great categories. Um, and, and you don't have to fill out every single category. If you only feel passionate about five, just write in five. If you know your answer to all 40 Write all 40. And so then what we do after that is we tally all the uh, votes up and see who basically is the top three or top five, I think we did, in the category. And then we have uh, voting based on that. And I think that's open for like a month. And then we tally those results and we publish it in the magazine in September. Can't wait to see the results. And I will definitely going to be joining the voting, of course. You were recently in Paris. So in coming months, what are the travel destinations do you plan to visit and why? I am next month in going to the Grand Canyon, which I've never been to before. And I'm very excited. And that's for our family travel package. And my son is so excited because we were supposed to go in April of 2020. And so I'm excited to actually finally go and do that. And also going to spend some time in Sedona and some time in Flagstaff and um, Scottsdale and Phoenix. So it's like a really, I love Arizona. It's beautiful. So we're doing that. And then um, I'm going to Louisville. 
Kentucky, which is a great food and drink city, as you know. And then I might be going to Jordan. I don't know yet. So that's our cover story for September. And I haven't decided yet if I'm going to assign it or if I'm going to do it. So Just go do it. Sounds tempting. Very tempting. (laughs) Pretty cool, right? To get to go to Petra and go to Amman. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. This is a subject very close to our hearts. Uh, what's your favorite cocktail and who would you like to share it with? For sure. My favorite cocktail is in Manhattan. And my favorite place to drink them in New York is Sardi's before or after a Broadway show. This guy, Joe, he's the bartender there, makes the best Manhattan there is. Uses bullet rye in case you're curious. I mean, I have so many people I like to drink Manhattans with, but I think I'd say my mom because I love chatting with her over a cocktail and just we have a great time. We named our podcast Hospitality Forward because we are super excited about the future of our hospitality and travel. So in your opinion, what individual or organization is really pushing our industry forward? Oh, it's so hard. There's so many people. I think in New York right now, I'm have been excited for a while and I'm still excited about um uh Chintin Padia, the chef for Damaka. And I just went to his new fried chicken sandwich place, Rowdy Rooster, a couple weeks ago, too. Um, So I think he's really exciting because I freaking love Indian food. Yeah, but I think his his restaurants are really exciting because he's taking food the way I feel like, at least how he talks about it, food the way he wants to eat it and the way they would be eating it, you know, in India or at these street markets or in these restaurants and, and not dumbing it down, you know, for an American palate. Like every time I go, I go through like a box of Kleenex because it's so spicy. <laughs> but it's also very kind of, I think, I think of like almost in a way it's fashion forward. Like the spaces are, are so well designed and fun. And like, I love when you're in a space that makes you feel just like bubbly with excitement. I love that. Yeah. I mean, he's pretty remarkable. And I remember, I think his restaurant became one of the Best Restaurant by New York Times, as well as the Esquire magazine in 2021. So, yeah, he's, he's doing something very special. So, pr- practical question for you, Alan. What's the best way for our listeners to reach you if they want to pitch a story to you? Email. I like email. So, nice, friendly, concise pitches via email are great. And can you share your email address? Sure. It's ellen.carpenter at inc-global.com. Great. And also, would you mind also sharing your social media channels as well? Yeah, I'm just Instagram, which is uh, Ellen Carpenter 11. Listeners, follow her and email her and, and pitch your story away. Yes, please do. And, and would you ever accept a pitch via DM? On Instagram? Oh, it's funny. I had this conversation the other day and someone accused me of being old. Um, I prefer getting pitches on email. I'm an old person. Ellen, thank you so much again for doing this for our community. And as our industry coming back, I know there's going to be a lot of story that a lot of people want to share with you. So thanks again for your time and your kindness. And we are looking forward to sharing a Manhattan cocktail in person. Yes, that would be lovely. I can't wait. With all of her globetrotting expertise, Ellen always makes us want to travel and see the world even more. And now that you know what she's looking for, please feel free to email her and introduce yourself. 
And don't forget to mention our podcast in your subject line. Until then, join us as we move hospitality forward together.